Welcome to the Dayspring Audio Library, the teaching ministry of Pastor Daniel Rehoff. Thanks for joining us. We hope this message will have a powerful impact on your life. So sit back and enjoy today's time in the Word. We're doing a verse-by-verse study through the book of Acts. You can go online to our podcast, and you can pick up and uh, catch up on all the messages that we've done, uh, which is kind of cool because you'll have a nice, uh, a nice study, uh, a nice in-depth study, a verse-by-verse of the entire book. But what's kind of fun about this, as I've mentioned in the past, is that the book of Acts, as you know, is a, uh, is a, uh, a history of the first church, the early church. And so as you're reading it, it's, it's kind of just like a history book, and there's story after story after story after story. And so as we go through it, and as what we're going to do today too, we're going to go through a lot of verses and pick out some of the stories and glean from some of the things that happened that we can learn from and that you can apply to your life uh, in, in practicality today, okay? So I want it to be a very practical study, and I want it to be very good, and, and I appreciate uh, all those kids, uh, I was just thinking about that, doing the cards and everything they did for me. Uh, that's just wonderful. And for Pastor Tanny as well. Uh, just, just so great to see the kids doing that. I'm so proud of the fact that we have a, a Christian school and a preschool that we can help train children. Uh, the, uh, the girls, the high school, we get together with our parent church and they had a tournament. I believe it was 16 teams were together this weekend for a volleyball tournament. And uh, just got to, to get to be able to part of the, the sports and such a high-class sports program that they have. It's just really quite the honor, but it's good to see the Christian school kids and uh, the parents that are making a difference with their children, and uh, it's just awesome. I'm just excited about the future. Uh, it has never looked brighter for our church. It's never been more exciting uh, to see what's going on. So uh, that's great. So if you've got your Bible, uh, again, we're in the book of Acts, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, and we're around chapter 13 is where we're at. And just let me just do a quick review in case you, you weren't here or you don't know what's taking place in the story. Uh, there's a guy, and his name is Paul. And from, from where we started last week on, he's kind of the main character, so to speak, in the book of Acts. Uh, and he's on a, a missionary trip with a guy named Barnabas. Okay, so Paul and Barnabas, this is their first mission trip. And halfway through the mission trip or partway through the mission trip, One of the guys that's with them, his name is John Mark. He quits. He leaves. The Bible doesn't say why he quit. Uh, I could imagine it was very frustrating for Paul. Uh, It was frustrating and probably embarrassing for Barnabas because this was his cousin. Uh, And for some reason, he just quits. He gets homesick or something. Just, I'm leaving. And it's it's not easy. I mean, imagine being on a mission trip back in those days, and there's three of you and one-third of the team leaves, and there's no explanation given, but I just don't want to be a part of this anymore. Now, the reality is this, uh, guys and gals, from what we learned from this is not only is the Christian life not only easy, but you know what? There, there really is victory if we'll just stick it out, and if we trust, if we obey, uh, and we have that attitude in our life, there is Christian victory, because there's always going to be trials, there's always going to be persecution, and the more that you are presenting the gospel of Jesus Christ, the more persecution there will be. Now, we're going to talk today about a time, a segment where Paul is presenting the gospel. Uh, church, let, let's just remember as we're going into this. There is a thing called spiritual 
warfare, okay? It's real. The devil, now get this, the devil does not like when you present the gospel of Jesus Christ in a clear and understandable fashion, okay? The devil hates that. I, I, I'm almost convinced, and, and I don't have a Bible verse for this, but I'm almost convinced on a personal level, that the devil literally does not care if we get together on a Sunday morning and sing songs and say, praise Jesus, and, and learn about how to be a better person or, or learn about better, how to be a better husband and, 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 and whatever. I think the devil is just kind of like, okay, whatever. I, I just don't think he cares. What the devil does care about is when we are active in trying to introduce other people to the fact that Jesus Christ died on the cross to pay for their sins. When we are actively presenting the gospel of Jesus Christ, that's when the devil cares and that's what gets him concerned. Why? Because the devil doesn't want other people to become a Christian. The devil knows that once you're saved, you can't lose your salvation. So there's kind of almost a, 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 a non-point of having a battle with you in the, in the context of, of, so what? You're, you're already saved. You're already going to heaven. I can't get you to go to hell with me. But the devil's job will be to marginalize you or, or to get you to a point to where you're ineffective. So, so here's what I believe. The churches that are out there giving the gospel, out doing evangelistic things, out presenting the gospel... There's probably, in reality, more spiritual warfare because what? Your toes are on the front line and you're doing something. If you live your whole life and you go to work and you, and you, 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 know, you live your family and you do all those things and you never share the gospel with anything, I just don't know if the devil's really too concerned. I mean, I just don't think the devil's concern is for you to get a divorce or the devil's concern is for you to get on drugs. It's whatever. I think the devil's concerned... When you're on the front lines giving the gospel, the more you give the gospel, the more the devil is concerned. The more you give the gospel, the more you present it clearly, the more spiritual warfare there is. I just, I'm just convinced of that. This guy, Paul, is going to give the gospel. And, and what we've seen and what we're going to see is that things don't get easier for him. They get harder. Why? Because he's giving the gospel of Jesus Christ. He's standing up for the clarity of the gospel. Our church, we, we were talking about this this morning in a class I was teaching. We just, we just really try to be evangelistic. And we don't do everything right, but we're just trying to be evangelistic and we're trying to share the gospel with the lost world the best that we can. Well, I think because of that, we are always going to, uh, we're always going to, so to speak, have one hand behind our back, so to speak, in the battle. And, and the devil's always going to be after this church. The devil's going to do everything he can to marginalize this church. I just don't think the devil cares about the fact we have a building or cares about the fact that we get together and sing songs to Jesus. He cares about the fact that we're going out and winning the loss to Jesus Christ. That puts a church like ours up on the front lines. If you've got your Bible, let's take your Bible and let's, with that in mind, let's take a look at this and let's see what's going to happen. We're in the book of Acts. We're in chapter 13. Acts chapter 13, we're picking up on verse 14. All right? And let's see here what goes on. But when they departed from Perga, they came to Antioch in Poseidon and went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and sat down. Now, for those of you that have been following along, this is a different Antioch from where they were. Okay? This Antioch is about 100 miles further north of the Antioch that they were at. A very rugged area, about a half mile up into the mountain range there, north of the other Antioch in Syria. So a very tough area, a very hard area to be. Verse 15 and after the reading of the law and the prophets, the rulers of the synagogue sent to them, saying, 
So they're in a synagogue, and the rulers say this, You men and brethren, if you have any word of exhortation for the people, say on. So Paul and Barnabas are where? They're, in, they're not in Jerusalem. They're in this town of Antioch. Where are they now physically? They're in a synagogue, okay, which was the Jewish place of worship, right, before the, before the church. And, and, and Paul is here, and he's speaking to the Jewish people. Uh, Barnabas is with him. He has no problem speaking to the Jewish people, the Gentile people, whatever. And the people say to him, say, well, is there anything that you want to say? Your visitors here, is there something you want to say? Now look at verse 16. I think it's so cool. Take your pen and underline these four words because it's just kind of cool. Then Paul stood up. So now church, get this. Paul had an opportunity. I mean, they say, do you have anything to say? And Paul doesn't sit in the background and say, nope, I'm good. <laughs> you know, they're basically kind of saying this. Anybody got a testimony? Does anybody got something they want to say? And Paul's not sitting there going, nah, I'm good. No, he does what? Paul stands up without hesitation. Yeah, I, I've got something to say. <laughs> you want to hear what I have to say? You know, Paul stands up and beckoning with his hand. I don't know, maybe Paul was Italian. He was speaking with his hands. <laughs> you know, men of Israel and you that fear God, give audience. So, hey, listen, I'm going to talk. I want all you to pay attention. Right. He gets up and he's, he's going to talk. And what Paul's going to do, he's going to give the gospel. And, and we're going to read a lot of verses, okay? So get ready because there's a lot of verses. And, and within these verses, I want you to understand this. He starts off by giving the Jewish history. It's very similar to what he did before and, and, and it's very similar to what he's, he's done over in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. He gives the Jewish history. Why? Because he's in a Jewish synagogue and he's talking to the Jewish people. And what are, what are the Jewish people at that time? What's a really big deal to them? Remember? Tradition, right? And so he's kind of steading off the gospel by saying, listen, here's the Jewish history. Here's their tradition. And I just want to let you know, and this is what he's going to say, that that guy, Jesus, that you heard about down in Jerusalem, you know, the guy that they hung on the cross a few years back, he really is part of the history, part of the, the lineage here of the Jewish history, and he really is the Messiah, okay? With that in mind, I'm going to read some verses here, and, and we'll try to stop in between some of them. There's a lot of verses to read, and I want you to get this, but here he goes, verse 17. He's, here he goes. The God of this people of Israel chose our fathers and exalted the people when they dwelt as strangers in the land of Egypt, and with a high arm brought he them out of it, verse 18. At about the time of forty years suffered he their manners in the wilderness, and when he had destroyed seven nations in the land of, of, of Chana, he divided their land to them by lot. And after that he gave unto them judges about a space of four hundred and fifty years, and to Samuel the prophet. And afterward they desired a king, and God gave them, and Saul, the son of, of Sis, a man of the tribe by Benjamin, a space of forty years. And when he had removed him, he raised him up, uh, raised up unto them David to be their king. To whom also he gave testimony and said, I have found David, the son of Jesse, a man after my own heart, which shall fulfill all my will. Now, up until this point, get the picture. He's in a Jewish synagogue. What do you think? Now think. What do you think all of the Jewish rabbis and Jewish leaders and Jewish audience, what do you think they're doing right now? Here's what they're doing. They're sitting there going, hmm, yes, stroking their beard, right? Because everything he said is, is we, get, we agree with everything you've said so far. Yes, 
Yes, David was our king. Yes, and Saul before that. Of course. Yes, yes, and God brought the children out of Egypt. Yes, mm-hmm. We agree with everything you're saying. And right now, everything's okay. Uh, things are going to start to get a little personal. <laughs> Ready? Here we go. Verse 23. And, <laughs> I'll say this. None of things are going to get personal, but, but people are going to start to get antsy because he's going to start to talk about that guy. You know, Jesus. Here we go. Verse 23. Of this man's seed hath God, according to his promise, raised unto Israel a Savior, Jesus. Now things are getting touchy, right? And we're going to get it. You're going to see it. Church, it's like I said before. It's real easy to drive down, drive down the street here in Milwaukee County or Waukesha County in the area of Milwaukee, and you can have a bumper sticker on your car that says, God bless America. Yay, hey, yeah, God bless America, right on, God bless America, right? You go and you put another bumper sticker on your car that says, Jesus is the only way. And now what do you got? Uh, uh, move over, you racist bigot, you know, and they give this kind of special wave to you, and Jesus isn't you narrow-minded, right? Oh yeah, I, I thought it was okay with God bless America, but Jesus is the only way? Uh, okay, this is what he's saying. It's starting to get a little restless here. Verse 24, when John, talking about John the Baptist, had first preached before his coming the baptism of repentance to all the people of Israel, And as John fulfilled his course, he said, Whom think ye that I am? I am not he, but behold, there cometh one after me, whose shoes of his feet I am not worthy to loose. Men and brethren, children of the stock of Abraham, and whosoever among you feared God, to you is this word of salvation sent. Guys, I'm talking to you, okay? Remember that guy, John the Baptist, that they killed in Jerusalem years ago? He was the forerunner before Jesus came. He came to tell you that that the Messiah really is coming. Okay, it's not a joke. It wasn't an oops. It wasn't an accident. This message that they were talking about, this is for all of you here in Antioch. Okay, this is a big deal. Verse 27. For they that dwell in Jerusalem, I'm sorry, for they that dwell at Jerusalem and the rulers, because they knew him not, nor yet the voices of the prophets, which are already uh, every Sabbath day, they have fulfilled them in condemning, condemning him. So he kind of has this interesting phrase and says, listen, <laughs> you heard it. You heard it with your own ears. But the fact that you've ignored him, okay, you, you, you fulfilled this whole thing. You fulfilled this prophecy in the fact that, that you've condemned him already. Verse 28, and though they found no cause of death in him, Yet, des- yet desired they Pilate that he should be slain. They wanted Jesus killed, verse 29. And when they had fulfilled all that was written of him, they took him down from the tree and laid him in a sepulcher, verse 30. And God raised him from the dead. Now, now church, we don't know exactly what was happening in this room at the time, but I can pretty much guarantee you it was not a calm moment. <laughs> I, I've traveled to Israel as a tour guide and as a tour, ho- tour host 14 times. I respect and I love the Jewish people very much. If I run into an Orthodox Jewish person over there, you can talk about everything in the Old Testament, but as soon as you say Jesus is the only way, (laughs) they don't calmly and quietly walk away. You're about ready to have a fight on your hands. You're going to have an argument on your hands, okay? 
Verse 31. And he was seen, talking about Jesus, and he was seen many days of, uh, of them. I'm sorry. And he was seen many days of them which came up with him from Galilee to Jerusalem, who are his witnesses unto his people. And we declare unto you glad tidings how that the promise which was made unto the fathers, God hath fulfilled the same unto us, their children, in that he hath raised up Jesus again, as it is also written in the second Psalm, Thou art my son, this day have I begotten thee. Okay? So, so he's giving here the same gospel presentation. What did he just say? Let's stop and just look at it. What did he just say? Jesus Christ died, right? Jesus Christ rose again. And he was seen by many people, which proved that he really did rise again. This is not some mystery. This is not some fairy tale. This is not some secret. You hung him on a cross. You saw, you buried him. He rose again. And hundreds of people saw him afterwards, okay? Make no mistake about it, verse 34. And it's concerning that he raised him up from the dead. Now, no more to return to corruption. So he died once. He's going to heaven. He said in the wise, I will give you the sure mercies of David. Wherefore, he has said also in another psalm, Thou shalt not suffer thine holy one to see corruption. For David, after he had served his own generation by the will of God, fell on asleep and was laid unto his fathers and saw corruption. So, you know, David died, right? People die. But Jesus rose again, and he's not dying again. He's not doing this again. His, his, his body isn't in the grave. He's, his bones aren't still there, okay? But he, whom God raised again, saw no corruption. So he's making it very clear that guy that the Jewish people hung on the cross that was buried three days later rose again. He is alive. His body is not in the grave. Make it very clear that it wasn't some magic trick. But what does he say? God, the Father, raised him from the dead. Now, you could just imagine. (laughs) If there wasn't a fight going on in this room, it was probably on the ready of a fight. They were probably like, Who is this guy? I can't believe he's saying this. Verse 38. Be it known unto you, therefore, I'm talking to you guys, men and brethren, that though this man preached unto you the forgiveness of sins, and by him all that believe. Would you take your pen and underline those two words? Underline those three words. All that believe are justified from all things, from which he could not be justified by the law of Moses. I'm making it very clear to you, the gospel of Jesus Christ is what? That Jesus Christ died on the cross, was buried three days later, rose again, and guess what? All that believe to them are justified. Now, to the people at this time, the Jewish people in this Jewish synagogue, those were fighting words. (laughs) Are you kidding me? What about the law? What about the Torah? What about all the rules? What about all the commandments? What about everything in the book of Leviticus? What about all the rules in the book of Deuteronomy? What about the feasts? What about the priests? What about the symbolism? What about the temple? What about the veil? What about, what about the Holy of Holies? What about all those things? That's what it takes to be justified in God's sight. No. Paul made it crystal clear that all that believe on Jesus Christ as their Savior, they, they are justified in the sight. Look at Acts chapter 13, verse 39. Church, I want all of us to read this together because this is a very, very powerful verse. Ready? Would you read it with me? Here we go. And by him, all that believe are justified from all things, from which he could not be justified by the law of Moses. 
The only condition for salvation that the Apostle Paul preached was what? He's right there, church. It's his own words. Was what? Belief. That's it. That is the only justification. Now, this is what he says, too. He does not say, he does not say all that, that promise to do good. He does not say all that adopt to do good. He does not say all that are going to conform. He does not say all that are going to change. He says what? All that what? Church, you say it. Is that the words of the Apostle Paul, yes or no? Did he give any other condition for salvation? Did he say, change your ways? Did he say, be baptized? Did he say, go to church? Did he say, stop doing drugs? Did he say, stop, stop drinking? He doesn't say any of those things are a condition for salvation. Now, church, as a Christian, as a, as a Christian, maybe some of those things are good to do. Okay, I, I'm with you on that. But to become a Christian, nowhere does he ever say there is ever a work or any condition that you need to add to the gospel. Listen, church, I want, I want you to understand this and I want you to get this. Because some people say Paul preached a different gospel than everybody else did. Paul did not preach a different gospel than Jesus or anybody else. He preached the exact same gospel everyone else did. And that's what? That the condition for salvation is belief. It's the exact same thing that Jesus said in John chapter three, uh, chapter three, verse sixteen. He said, "Jesus said, God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever what church? What's that word? Believes. It's this exact same gospel that Jesus preached. There, there is a, there is a, uh, I don't call it a movement. I call it a theology. I call it a theology. There is a theology out there, and I'm going to give you the title of it. I want you to be aware of it." It's called Lordship Salvation. Lordship Salvation. A lot of people won't say that they're giving a Lordship Salvation type of gospel. But any gospel presentation that includes you doing something in addition to Jesus dying on the cross is basically a Lordship Gospel presentation. It's it's when you ask an unsaved person, now get me on this, when you ask an unsaved person to start living like a saved person in order to be saved, that is called lordship salvation. Why? Because what they're saying is you have to, in essence, make Jesus Lord in different areas of your life in order to be saved. Okay? I was talking to a pastor friend of mine the other day. He was telling me about a church he had visited and, and the gospel presentation. The gospel presentation included four steps, four things that you had to do in order to then believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross. So in other words, it's not by by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. It's you doing some steps and then believing that Jesus Christ died on the cross and paid for your sins. So you do a couple things, then believe Ephesians 2, 8, 9. You change a couple things, then believe John chapter 3, verse 16. I heard a, uh, a pastor this week. I, I listen to a lot of podcasts and, and YouTube and stuff like that. Uh, I just like doing it. My, my iPad's filled with, with messages. I guess that's what preachers do. We listen to other preachers, you know. And that's, that's how I hear good jokes, and that's how I hear the corny ones, you know. <laughs> so, and I was listening to this pastor who is extremely well-known. I'm not going to mention his name because I don't want to to uh, sidetrack our discussion today and get you th- thinking about it. A very, very well-known Baptist preacher. That if I mention the name, he's published a bunch of books, you would probably, all, most of you would probably know exactly who I'm talking about. He was giving a message on, can homosexuals go to heaven? 
Okay? And he, he goes for the first 30, 40 minutes talking about uh, what the Bible says, just what the Bible says about homosexuality and the whole gender thing. And he, he, he was very clear on that as far as what the Bible says. He gets to the end of his message and he gives a gospel presentation, a gospel invitation for people to accept Christ as their Savior. This gentleman, who I, I'll be honest with you, I was shocked. I was shocked. Made it crystal clear, made it crystal clear that you cannot bring your sin to Jesus. Really? And I listened. And I said, well, maybe I misunderstood. And I kept listening to his presentation. The more this pastor talked, the worse it got. And if I told you his name, you would all be shocked. A very well-known author Baptist in the Baptist circles. And he went on to say, yes, you may have been a homosexual. You may have, have been a transgender. You, you may have sexual sins. But you better turn from those things before you get to Jesus because you can't go to Jesus with your sin. What? What? Are you kidding me? Church, let me ask you a question. Let me ask you a question. How many of you in this room have stopped sinning? Is there anybody that would be willing to write, you know, Pastor, I don't sin anymore. <laughs> the only person I ever, ever thought maybe had that that had stopped sinning, I thought maybe uh, was my mother-in-law. Uh, maybe she had stopped sinning because she just always seemed like she was just so perfect and I was so wrong all the time. Don't tell her. <laughs> I'm kidding. But this guy went on to say, no, if you're a homosexual, you know, as long as you are practicing an act of homosexual, you can't get saved. Wait a second. That's called lordship salvation. Where in the Bible did Jesus say, stop sinning and then you can come to me when you're done sinning? Church, why is it? And it just, it irritates me. It irritates me. Why is it that we always pick on the drug addicts and the homosexuals as like those are the sins that you can't come to Jesus with? Why is it? Well, let's just be honest. Why don't we ever pick on the person that gossips? Why don't we ever pick on the person that causes disunity in a church? Why don't we ever pick on someone who has envy? Oh, how about this? Why don't we ever say that about someone who lusts? If we were to look over at Jesus, said it in the book of Matthew, he made it very clear, if you've lusted in your heart, you just as good as committed adultery. Okay? Jesus also said this, if you hate someone, I hate you, I can't stand you. He said, if you hate someone in your heart, you're just as good as you murdered them. So if I just see a raise of hands today, if we were to be honest... How many murderers and adulterers are in this room today? All of us, including your preacher, would raise his hand. See, <laughs> why, why do we like to pick on, on the addicts and the homosexuals and say, well, no, no, that, there's a different set of rules for them. Church, that's called lordship salvation. That is not the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is not. It is not. If you hear a preacher do that, turn them off. If you go to a church and your preacher talks like that, go, leave. It's time to go to a different church. Why? Because when Jesus Christ died on the cross, he paid for how many sins, church? Okay. Did he pay for the sin of murder? Okay. Did he pay for sexual sins? Okay. Did he pay for, did he pay for your lying? Did he pay for your envy? Did he pay for your stealing? He paid for how many sins, church? All. And that includes sexual sins. 
That includes murder. <gasps> Pastor, are you saying that a murderer can get saved? Absolutely a murderer can get saved. Church, too many Baptist churches, and it just frustrates me, are trying to, trying to clean the fish before they're caught. All right? Don't, don't try to get someone to act like a Christian until they're a Christian. Okay? You're, you're, putting, you're putting the cart before the horse. All right? Once someone becomes a Christian, then great. Then let the Holy Spirit work in the heart and let the Holy Spirit change them. Okay? From the inside out. Not by conforming to a bunch of rules, but let, let God's Spirit work within them. But, but that's awful. That's just a terrible thing. And that's called Lordship Salvation. Church, I'm just serious. Stay away from that. Because now someone, I had a pastor one time say to me, say, are you saying that that's a cursed message? Well, according to the New Testament, that isn't a cursed message because what did the Bible say? If you preach anything other than what you've heard here, what you've saw in the Bible, it's an accursed message. I don't want anything to do with an accursed message, church. I don't want to be responsible for someone spending an eternity in hell. Follow me. Follow me. Because I'm a drug addict. And I don't want to quit my drugs. Therefore, I'm not going to come to Jesus. Because it's too hard to quit my addictive behavior. I can't quit it. You're right. You're right. You can't quit it on your own. Amen. I agree with you. That's why you need a Savior. Amen, church? Let Him work in your life. So church, too many people sit there and say, Oh boy, it, I, I can't change my ways to become a Christian. You're right. You can't change your ways. And you know what? You don't have to change your ways to become a Christian. That would be called lordship salvation. That's a works-based gospel. Don't ever, ever follow that. Don't ever listen to that. Just walk away from that. Turn it off. I, 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 I got another few minutes in that message and I said, this is ridiculous. This is ridiculous. Every, every person that struggles with homosexuality to listen to his message would say, you know what? I don't have hope. There's no way in the world I could ever, ever become a Christian because I'm enjoying the lifestyle that I have and I don't want to change. Take a look at John chapter 3, verse 18. John chapter 3, verse 18. I just want, I want you to get this because there's so many verses in the Bible that talk about the fact that salvation is by belief alone. I'm just going to nail this home. John chapter 3, verse 18. He that, what church? What's the next word? Believeth on him is not condemned. So the person is not condemned. Why? Because what have they done? What's the verse say? They believed. But he that believed not is condemned already. Why are they condemned already? Why? Because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. Do you see a work in there at all? Do you see lordship salvation in that verse at all? Do you see a change of action, a change of character in that verse at all? No. The qualification is belief. That's what it was. The law can't justify you. Galatians chapter 3, verse 21. If the law, or is the law then against the promise of God, God forbid. For if there had been a law given which could have given life, verily righteousness should have been given by the law. In other words, Paul says to the church here, listen, if there was a rule, if there was something that you could do to get you saved, I would have put that in there. I would have told you exactly what the rule was. But there is no rule. There is no law. There is not obeying something that you could have done that you could have gotten righteousness by it because it can't come by the law. You, you, you can't get it by the law. Look at verse 22. But the Scripture has concluded. So notice, church, what's concluded 
It's not the church. It's not the pope. It's not a pastor. It's not some author. It's not some book publisher. But the scripture has concluded that all are under sin. Okay, what else has the scripture concluded? That the promise by faith of Jesus Christ might be given to them that, what church? Believe. The scripture, not this church, not me, not some association, not some denomination, but the Bible has concluded that the promise by faith of Jesus Christ is given to those that believe. Galatians 3, verse 24 to 28. Go down a little bit. Wherefore the law was our schoolmaster. Why do we have the law? Well, to bring us unto Christ that we might be justified by faith. We're not justified by the law. We're justified by faith. But after that faith has come, we are no longer under a schoolmaster. For you are all the children of God by obeying the rules. Is that what it says, church? Let me try it again. Verse 26. For you are all the children of God by repenting from all the bad things you've done and starting to act better. Is that what it says, church? No. I'll read it again. For you are all the children of God by stopping doing drugs. Is that what it says, church? No. I'll read it one more time. For you are all the children of God by what? Say it out loud. Faith in Christ Jesus. For as many as you have been baptized into Christ have put in Christ. Therefore is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither bond nor free. There is neither male nor female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. Romans 3.23. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is found by starting to act better. No, I'll try it again. Through the redemption that is found by stopping doing drugs. No, let me read it again. For the redemption that is found by not being a homosexual. No, for the redemption that is found where? In Christ Jesus. Amen, church? So church, just be aware. Be aware of that. If someone ever says your salvation is going to cost you something, that is not the gospel of Jesus Christ. Yes, as a Christian, once you've trusted Christ as your Savior, once you've become a Christian, following Christ, being discipled in Christ, growing in sanctification, being a disciple of Jesus Christ, yes, there's persecution. Yes, there's a cost. To, yes, there, 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 it's, not, it's not easy street. Becoming a Christian, becoming a Christian doesn't cost you anything. Church, always remember, there is salvation and there's service. Two different issues of the Christian life. Salvation is by grace alone and through faith alone in Jesus Christ alone, okay? Service is when you're growing in Christ, by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. Yeah, okay? And, and, and Paul talks about, and Jesus talked about, there's things that a Christian ought to be growing towards or ought to be maturing in in his Christian walk, not to get saved, but because he's saved, okay? Always keep salvation separate from service. Romans chapter 3, verse 19 and 20. Now we know that, the, that, now we know that what uh, things soever the law saith, it says to them who are under the law, that every mouth may be stopped and all the world may become guilty before God. Therefore, by the deeds of the law, turning from your sin, changing your ways, being baptized, 
attending church, becoming a good little boy or girl, attending Sunday school, giving money, there shall no flesh be justified in his sight. For by the law is the knowledge of sin. God said, listen, I gave you all this over here, all the laws, so you'd see how much of a sinner you are. Okay? And you would understand that one day I'm going to send you a Savior who's going to pay for it because you can't do it. I showed you the law to make like a mirror so you would see just how filthy, rotten, dirty you are. And you would then what? Be in love with the need for a Savior who gave it to you freely because what? You can't pay that. All right? See, that's what he's saying. By the law, no flesh is justified. Romans 3.25, whom God has set before to be a propitiation through what? Through attending church. No. Through being baptized. No. Through faith in his blood. To declare his righteousness for the remission of sins that are passed through the forbearance of God. Okay. We've got to be done. Acts 10.43. I tell you what. Go back to Acts 13.40. Let's finish this up. Beware, therefore, lest that come upon you which is spoken of the prophets. Behold, you despisers and wonders and perish. For I work a work in your days. I work which you shall in no wise believe, though a man declared unto you. Paul's saying, listen, I gave it to you. You're rejecting it. It was about belief. And, and, and no matter what we say, you're not listening. Church, I want you to always remember this. Keep the gospel simple and clear just like Jesus and just like the apostles gave it, okay? Don't add anything to the gospel. Paul didn't. Don't take away anything from the gospel. Don't make it anything that it's not. Don't make it anything that it isn't. Keep the gospel clear, all right? I think it's interesting. The one thing that Paul did is what? He stood up. He wasn't afraid to do what? To present the gospel crystal clear. He had a whole church full of people that were probably ready to kill him. But he kept the gospel clear, he kept it simple, and he kept it exactly the way that him and that Jesus and that others had presented the gospel. The same gospel that's over here in the book of Genesis is the same gospel that's all the way through here in the book of Acts. Okay? I'm convinced of this too. People don't like a clear presentation of the gospel. The devil doesn't like it, but you know why? Because if it's all by grace alone, through faith alone, and what Christ did alone, then guess what? Dan Rehoff can't pat himself on the back for saying, look what I did. I go to church. I helped Jesus on the cross. Look what I did. I stopped doing drugs. Man, whew, aren't I something? Look what I did. I'm, I'm wearing a suit today. Whew, I must be able to go to heaven. I, I look like a good Christian, right? There is, there, there's not, it's not anywhere in there, okay? By grace alone, through faith alone, and Christ alone. Always just remember this verse. For by grace you saved through faith. It's not of yourselves. It's a gift of God. Not of works, because you won't be in heaven bragging about how good you were. You won't be bragging about any work that you did. So if you're not bragging about it, if it's not part of it, then church, don't make it part of it. Be very clear in the gospel that you listen to. Be very clear in the gospel that you present, okay? Be like the Apostle Paul. Stand up and keep it clear. Amen, church? Stand up and keep it clear. That's the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen? All right, church, what a time. Let's be done. Let's have a word of prayer and let's close. Father, we're thankful that the Apostle Paul stood up. He had the guts to stand up and present the gospel. 
Lord, maybe there's some of us here in this room that this week we need to stand up and be bold at work tomorrow with our family this week, with our neighbors, maybe with the kids trick-or-treating this week or next week when they do it. Help us to be bold, stand up and give the gospel. Father, help us to be crystal clear on the presentation of the gospel of Jesus Christ, never to be wishy-washy, never to think it's not a big deal, but to be crystal clear on the gospel and to not be ashamed, but be bold of it. Share it boldly. Thank you for all that you've done, Lord, and maybe someone this morning has trusted Christ as the Savior. I pray that you'd work a special blessing in their life if they've never trusted what Jesus did, and today they understand it's not my goodness, it's not my changing my ways, it's not my church membership, but it's solely by by faith in what Jesus did on the cross of Calvary. That alone is what I'm trusting in. And Lord, what a wonderful thing for them to have trusted Christ as their Savior today. Thank you for all you've done. In your name we pray. Amen. We are very interested in you and your spiritual growth. If you want to contact Dayspring for prayer or more information, you can reach us at 262-404-5092 or on the web at dayspringbaptist.com. Thanks for listening.